0: It's interesting. uh, For the first 50 people I interviewed, I'd always end with the question, so what is the purpose of human life or what are we here to do? I stopped asking that question because the first 50 people gave the exact same answer. And, you know, when you can get Mother Teresa and and the Dalai Lama and Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson all giving the exact same answer to that question, that's pretty interesting because you can't get... Fifty people to agree that the sky's blue, you know. And for fourteen ninety-five, I'll let people know what that answer is. No, I'm kidding, y'all. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. Welcome
1: back to the Awakening Her podcast. My name is Talia Joy, and in this episode, I am pleased to be sitting down with Jonathan Robinson. Jonathan is an author of 14 books, including The Enlightenment Project and The Experience of God. He is also a psychotherapist, a life and spiritual coach, and a professional speaker. Jonathan has been a frequent guest on Oprah and other national TV shows, talking all about his experience interviewing some of the greats from Wayne Dyer to Deepak Chopra, Louise Hay, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, Marianne Williamson, and personally being friends with Ram Dass. In this episode we talk about everything he has learned interviewing and studying with these great thinkers and spiritual teachers. We also touch on topics such as awakening, daily practices, manifestation, and so much more. It is such an honor to interview Jonathan and I know you're going to love this episode. So, without further ado, let's welcome Welcome, Jonathan, onto the show. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. How are you today?
0: I'm doing really good. This will
1: be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you're here and actually I just received your book in the mail today. Mm. So <laughs> my preparation with this book was the last probably 2 hours of me diving in and already I absolutely love it. The book is The Enlightenment Project. So thank you so much for sending that to me. I can't wait to dive into this book and your work. Um, can you start by just introducing yourself and sharing with everybody, if they haven't heard of you, a little bit about you and sort of where you
0: are in the world and all that good stuff? Sure. Um, well, this was my 14th book. Uh, but what I've done is I've specialized, you know, I, I was a very depressed, suicidal teen, and I had my midlife crisis early. So I got focused on what are the best ways me to be happier? And then once I got out of my depression, where were the best ways to become more awakened? <clears throat> and what I did was I've uh, been on a 40-year quest to interview the most advanced spiritual souls on the planet, everybody from the late Mother Teresa, Wayne Dyer, and Ram Dass to uh, Deepak Chopra and the Dalai Lama. And I've interviewed over 100 spiritual teachers. and I always ask them, what's What's the best advice? What's the best techniques you have to awaken? And I did this mostly because I wanted to feel better and awaken, but um, a lot of people want the, the the greatest hits, so to speak. So my books have done well, and I got on the Oprah show a bunch, and that helped. And um, I just like sharing what I find to be the most practical and useful stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what led to that and what led to writing the experience of God and interviewing all of these people, um, because you don't just get to hang out with Mother Teresa overnight. So I'm curious about how that unfolded.
0: Well, um, the Mother Teresa story is actually pretty interesting. Um, Back in 1992, I was trying to uh, interview a lot of spiritual leaders and uh the internet hadn't been invented yet so i went to the library and got a phone number for her organization in india and uh so i called that number now calling india in 1992 is kind of like calling a random number nowadays and reaching the space station or something it just didn't happen but a woman answers the phone i said i'm trying to interview spiritual leaders do you know how i can connect with mother teresa and the woman who answered said uh yeah this is ma I said, "Ma, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, reach Mother Teresa." And she said, "This is Ma." And I realized the voice was familiar, and it was Mother Teresa who answered the phone.
1: <laughs> what? Can I have that number? No, just kidding.
0: <laughs> well, now if she's harder to reach, she's on yeah, the other side. Like, yeah, or easier. I don't know. depending. right, right. right. That, that's true. <laughs> no. Anyway, so um, you know, when when you uh, are doing your life mission, miracles like that happen. And uh, during that call, she said that she didn't know much about meditation. One of my questions was, how does she meditate? And she said, well, I don't know that much about meditation, but the Dalai Lama does. Would you like his phone number? And I said, "Uh, yeah, you know. So I got lucky. And then once I had a couple of big name people, other people joined in. And then I just kind of developed a career out of finding what really helps people to awaken to deeper love and peace within, mm-hmm. and was able to make a living just, you know, writing about that and, and talking about it in workshops. And The Enlightenment Project, the book, is basically all the best things I learned from these gurus, all the best techniques, and, and what my personal journey was like along the way.
1: Mm, wow. That's incredible. And I love that you said, you know, as you're living your purpose and as you, you know, go out on sort of your mission, miracles do happen. And I mean, nobody would ever think they could dial any number that Mother Teresa would answer. But, you know, when this, this is really meant to get out there, obviously, and it's so beautiful. Um, Something I'm really curious of personally, is I find on my journey of awakening and even having this podcast, interviewing people, you can hear the most incredible, guidance, you know, from Deepak Chopra or the Dalai Lama, what they're going to say is going to be incredible, but the awakening process is still on you. And we hear be the change, but that doesn't change you overnight, but over time you start to get it on deeper and deeper levels. So for you, did you find that every interview and every sort of like time you were in this work, it, it it sort of awakened you to deeper and deeper levels over time?
0: Well, definitely, there has been a progression over time. Um, but what I found was most useful was every now and then somebody would say an idea or a technique that I could use ongoingly in my life. You know, information is not transformation, uh, so it is up to us to do some work. But what that work is, what you know, what technique do you need? What idea do you need at this point in your journey is really the question. So in the Enlightenment project, I try to provide uh, the best ideas and techniques that I learned, and hopefully that some of those will resonate very deeply with the readers.
1: Hmm. So what are some of those for you personally that have really been those sort of heavy hitters on your journey, the lessons, the techniques, the things you've learned?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I learned is that what you need at this point in the journey might be different than what you needed five years ago or even a year ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes people get stuck in ruts where they're using some religion or some method that they have done for 10 years, but now it doesn't feel alive for them. Mm -hmm. So one of them is to always be updating and trying new things to see what really resonates now. That's one thing. Um, But there's, Uh, I'll I'll give you a story of like how simple some of these techniques are. Uh, And throughout our podcast, I'll try to give two or three or four different methods. But one of the things I learned in interviewing a lot of gurus was that a lot of them would say that um, gratitude was really key to not only attracting more good stuff in your life, but also for connecting with higher consciousness and God. So when a friend of mine came back from India and said that he'd learned a magical mantra for feeling persistent gratitude in his life. I was like very interested. (laughs) So I asked him what this mantra was and he said, I can't tell you it's a secret. You have to get it directly from the guru. So have you ever been to India, Talia? No, Uh, I haven't. Well, it's a long way away and, and hard to get to, but I always want the best method. So I go all the way to India I travel by rickshaw for three hours. I wait in line three hours to talk to this guy. I say, I want your mantra for feeling persistent gratitude. Well, he says in his Indian accent, Ah, yes, my mantra is the most powerful mantra on earth. He leans in to whisper it in my ear. And he says, Whenever possible, I'll repeat these words. The mantra I give you are the words, Thank you. I look at him kind I of figure he's joking with me. And he's not smiling. I say, that's it? I traveled 18,000 miles again. Thank you. That's it? (laughs) So he looks at me sternly and he says, no, no, no. That's it is the mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. Mm -hmm. My mantra is thank you, not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. Wow. I'm totally pissed (laughs) off. I say, well, thanks for nothing. And he says, thanks for nothing is not the mantra. (laughs) You must say it from your heart many times a day So when you eat good food, say thank you And when you see your child or your sunset or your pet Say thank you from your heart And soon you will be filled with gratitude Well, I was still disappointed But I figured I would try what he said So I I find a taxi And it's like 100 degrees in India But the taxi had air conditioning So I said, oh, thank you to the universe For this air conditioning Then I go to my hotel and there's a clean bottle of water. I say, thank you for this clean water. I open up my computer. You know, thank you for my computer. I open up up Skype. Thank you for Skype. And then I'm talking to my wife on the other side of the planet instantaneously for free. You know, thank you for my wife. Thank you for this instant communication. And it hits me how much we have that we normally are not noticing and tears started rolling down my face, and my wife says, "That must have been some amazing mantra." And I said, "You have no idea, you know it's, But you know, little things like that that we can do during the day I mean, people are listening to your podcast for free, getting really good information, hopefully. you know, but you need to take a moment to just feel your heart and feel gratitude for this gift of life and all that is given..
1: Mm. Yeah. It is so simple when, again, something we hear all the time, be grateful. And how many times have you been told to say thank you or said thank you? But when it hits you on a new level, that's what I start to feel. Is like when you start to feel like God in the words. It's not just thanks, mom. It's this feeling, uh, this full embodiment. And it's neat that you kind of said, you know, thanks for the cab and thanks for the water. And then all of a sudden it hits you. We've got so much that we just pass by. That's that to me is the juiciness of awakening. There's all these things that you just start to get on deeper and deeper levels. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's beautiful. And what an expensive trip to here. Thank you. (laughs) But very worth it. Was it not?
0: (laughs) Well, because I use it throughout my day, and I do connect it to my heart and saying thank you, you know, to the universe. Or you might, if you think of God, thank you to God. Um, that being able to tap into gratitude many times a day deeply is priceless. You know, uh, it's hard to sense how how important that is. It's the difference between uh, you know, as a kid being depressed and now waking up excited each day.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful.
1: I was going to ask, and you touched on it a little bit, after interviewing all of these people, um, what were some of the common threads that stick out that it felt like most of them were saying over and over in their own language? Or what, what were some of those commonalities between their experiences of God and, and awakening?
0: Well, it's interesting. I, uh, for the first 50 people I interviewed, I'd always end with the question, so what is the purpose of human life or what are we here to do? I stopped asking that question because the first 50 people gave the exact same answer. And, you know, when you can get Mother Teresa and Pat Boone and, and the Dalai Lama and Deepak Chopra and Miriam Williamson all giving the exact same answer to that question, that's pretty interesting. Because you can't get 50 people to agree that the sky's blue, you know. So, um and for 14 95 I'll let people know what that answer is. No, I'm kidding, y'all. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. So they all said that really we're here to do two things. The first thing is to find some way to tap into the love and peace within ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus called the, the kingdom of heaven. The Buddha called it the Buddha nature. But there is something there that if you find the key to tap into that, it's always there. Mm-hmm. Once you have some of that abundance of peace or joy or love, then go out and serve people in whatever way calls to you. So, you know, if you think of it that that's our job, that's our mission, well, then, you know, people would become more focused on, okay, what, what really works for me? You know, meditation, prayer, what technique, what idea can help me to tap in more regularly? Mm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I
1: resonate with that so much. And the way that, it comes through me as well as like your purpose is essentially to be love and to discover that love within you and then transfer it to people. And that doesn't have to be your job. It could be, but it could also be your children, your community, the, the the aura or the vibe that you bring to a room of unconditional love or of whatever it is, creativity, excitement, joy. It's like, that's your purpose is to pass that on. It's beautiful that that was such a common thread in all of it because it feels so right. You know, a lot of people think their purpose Purpose is to be an accountant or is to go to law school. And it's like, that's not, that's not the human purpose. You can pour your purpose into your job. You can have it be an expression of your purpose. But in essence, your purpose is you and that connection to source slash love, whatever. Well <laughs> that's, said. That's very, yeah, it's very profound. So I got to ask just because the main, Guru in my life. My main teacher has been Wayne Dyer. He found me in a time when I was lost and I was a teenager, angsty, eating disorder, like not in a good place. But I was reading his books and simultaneously diving into his work while being lost, eventually going on to study more of, you know, read all of his books and study his stuff. And now have a very close relationship with him even though he's on the other side so i'm curious just personally what was that like interviewing him and do you remember his tone his words on things um the experience of god and what he offered
0: yeah um you know strangely enough i never really resonated with his books um but he was i resonated with him personally and he was very kind to me. He really went out of his way. In fact, he bought the rights to the Experience of God book so he could sell it at his his workshops mm. um, and was always super kind to me. Uh, so I have nothing but good things to say about him. But um, one of the things that uh, we would sometimes talk about how certain questions could really open people up. Mm. You know, I'm uh, um, coming out with a book now called Life's Big Questions, and and with his help, we came up with a bunch of questions that are like um, inspire people. Like, what's one of the most miraculous things you've ever experienced, mm. or how what brings you the deepest joy in life, or what keeps you closed off from more joy and a deeper connection with Spirit. You know, these are are questions that. We were both interested in exploring and um, I'm very grateful to him for all the help he personally gave me.
1: Mm, Yeah. He really did that a lot to help people and he'd hear miraculous stories. He's like, I need to interview them or, you know, have them put into my book, like Anita Morjani and people like that. um, Which Uh is just, he always was doing that. It's incredible. Um, So I have a question about the awakening process and do you find Mm -hmm you know, it's a unique journey, but there are some similarities in what it means to awaken, or it's sort of like the, the evolvement. So I guess the question is, what do you see awakening as, and Mm. why also do some people seem to awaken really quickly? You know, it's like this year through me and, and my eyes were opened or a month or an experience and some other people, it's a slow, gradual process and both are equal and the same thing, but I'd love to hear your experience with that.
0: Well, first, uh, let's define what awakening is. Um, Shanti, the American spiritual teacher, calls it uh, perceiving the world without the lens of the ego. So we're all an awareness. And then there's like a an ego that's like glasses or dirty glasses in front of that awareness. And when you can clean those glasses and you're just perceiving things directly, we'll call that enlightenment or awakening. And you can have awakened moments or you can have Persistent awakening or persistent enlightenment. Most of us have moments in our life, but those moments are often very short. And in the Enlightenment Project book, I talk about how to have more of those moments and how to use different ways to perhaps create more of those moments in your life. Um, your second question, uh, which I'm now, I think, forgetting, <laughs> was was what? Say that question part of it again.
1: Yeah. Um, why, for some people, does it happen oh, really right. quickly? and others, it's a, a bit of a slower gradual process.
0: Um, that's a great question. And I, in reality, that's above my pay grade, so I have no idea. Uh, but what I have seen is that when the right method hits a person that's ripe, it can happen very quickly. Mm. Um, But if you keep using a method that doesn't really resonate with you, you can use it for 40 or 50 years and not much happens. That's why I I give a lot of methods in the Enlightenment Project book. And I encourage people to always be experimenting a little bit because you never know when something's really going to click for you. Mm and. Um, You know, I've I've been on this journey for over 40 years and for a lot of those years, not much happened. And then, uh, you know, just a few years ago, a couple of methods I tried, I go, wow, that one really works right away. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So that can make a big difference.
1: Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying about whatever method works for you in this moment in time to connect you with the source inside, with the, with the light, with the, with the God inside. And that's, I talk about when I'm talking about daily practices. I mean, the thought of doing one thing every day for the rest of my life just goes against my creative soul. Anyways, makes me yeah. want to, you know, be like, it feels like I'm suffocated, but I'll talk to people about, you know, listing off all the things that you do that at some point you enjoy, like sometimes meditation or intuitive dancing or movement or being in nature, mala beads, pulling cards, breath work, EFT, like all the different things that maybe sometimes you enjoy, even listing them out and thinking like, what do I want to do today? What do I want to do right now? And like you say, trying new things, bringing new practices in, because you never know what thing is going to hit you. And even the example of mala beads, it's something I don't do a lot, but when I'm called to do it and I pick a mantra and I do the mala beads, it just felt like, oh, that was what I needed today. Mm -hmm. And so why do you think that is about the methods? Do you think it's almost like it delivers a physical way for someone to connect to like the lesson or the practice or something like, what do you think it is about a certain method that hits the right person? Like you're saying when they're ripe and it just works.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's kind of like, you know, when you're hungry for food and you eat something and you go, nah, that wasn't it. Or when you eat the thing that, well, that's just what I wanted. I just wanted a salad and that was perfect. And it's like your vibration uh, resonates with the vibration of the method. And, you know, there's a lot of different approaches. There's awareness-based methods, there's mantra methods, there's breath methods, There um all kinds of different things. And what I found is that a lot of the best methods in terms of their effect on people have really only been invented in the last five years. So very few people know about them. Mm. You know, a lot of people are using methods that were invented 2,500 years ago, but they wouldn't even think of using a computer from 20 years ago. Right. Right. You know, so um, that's why I tried to uh, put in the book and on my website methods that people can access for free to see, yeah, that one, I would never heard of that method and that one works for me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you only know from, from actually trying it out. Luckily, a lot of my favorite methods, because I'm really lazy, take less than five minutes to do. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to necessarily go on a retreat and spend a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah.
1: And a lot of us are busy too. And I think that thing about ancient practices, I remember hearing somewhere that the typical traditional meditation was invented for like monks and yeah. we are not in a situation where we can sit and pray and offer up all day long. We've got kids and businesses and busy stuff going on. Um, so we have to almost adapt in the way in which we are meditating even. And then, and then it goes into the person's personal style. Some people love guided others silence or whatever else. So what are some, some of those practices those juicy practices you're alluding to (laughs) that we can try also in addition to the thank you which is so simple yet not to be overlooked
0: (laughs) yeah well like one one that uh, i personally enjoy in terms of meditating is i made a list of everybody who i'd ever really liked or loved in my life you know that list was about 50 people and and about 10 pets and then i spend like a minute On each person or pet, thinking about what I loved about them and what I appreciate about them, remembering special moments with them, and then like sending them love for the last 20 seconds. Well, you do this, you know, with 50 people or pets, you're like bathing yourself in the vibration of love. And what's better than bathing yourself in the vibration of love? I mean, it really shows up and, and you feel wonderful and and it gets easier and easier. So at the end of it, I'll sometimes think of somebody I don't care about and I just totally love them, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a, a, what I call the love meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in the book, I talk about something called the headless way, which is hard to describe quickly, but it's something I can do in any moment, like I'm doing it right now. And it helps me to go beyond the character of Jonathan into realizing that I'm really open awareness space. And there's a character named Jonathan moving through that. Mm. Um, One of the things that people can do is imagine you were just born, you know, or you're an alien being that just entered a body and you don't know what anything means. You just got here. You see colors and sensations and movements, but you don't have like and dislike. You wouldn't even know what to like or dislike. It's just like everything is, and you're perceiving it directly without judging any of it because you don't know enough to judge any of it. But you're feeling the sensations, you're hearing the sounds, and then you think, well, what is hearing these sounds? What's feeling these sensations? And that way you tap more directly into what I call pure awareness. Mm, Yes, I love that one. Also,
1: it just sounds like you're witnessing life without story, without judgment of, you know, what what we filter through the ego and the stories that we create about things and seeing it like a blank slate. You know, it's like it doesn't have that meaning, that inherent meaning and almost experiencing it firsthand um that sounds really beautiful and really a good challenge for a lot of people and and feels very peaceful as well that's a beautiful practice and i love the i love the love one um And I just could see that bathing yourself in the love of all of these people. And then I love how you said even throwing in the end there. It's like, oh, my finances or this person I have a little bit of struggle with. It's like, I've got such a big aura of love right now. You come in here too. Come on, come on into the love bubble. um, Even you are welcome. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I I may not, I may judge you, but come on in. In this moment, my defenses are down.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Those are beautiful. Those are, did you learn those? I mean, have those just been picked up on your path and you've kind of created them?
0: Well, usually like if I'm talking to, you know, Deepak Chopra, or Adyashanti, uh, I don't know if you know, I have a podcast too, which I interview spiritual teachers called Awareness Explorers. So I always ask them, what's your favorite method that you find has affected the most people that can be done in under five minutes? Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people collect baseball cards. I collect powerful spiritual methods. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how I found out about those two and and many more. You know, different things do work for different people. So by putting out a bunch of good stuff, if there's a voice in your audience that says, yeah, that, that sounds like that could work for me, you know, try it out and then see what happens. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, that's really great. Um,
1: So do you, I would like to hear your take on manifestation and how, you know, these days a lot of people are talking about the law of attraction and manifesting stuff and manifesting $20,000 here and this and that. I would like to hear your perspective on manifestation, what it means to you, and also the spiritual part of it, um, Mm -hmm. kind of how those two come together.
0: Well, I have some stories in the Enlightenment Project of very, very bizarre manifestation experiences that, you know, struck me that because I was aligning with a higher mission, something just decided, okay, let's give them a bunch of money, you know? And so I think that anything's really possible. And I get asked that question a lot, like what helped? Well, one of the things I do is I ask, how can I better serve people on most days mm-hmm. and, and listen? So I'm really trying not just to serve myself, which happens for sure, but I'm trying to serve a mission or purpose. And I think that helps bring in the vibration. Now, sometimes that's been manifesting something externally, like money or a person. And sometimes it's more of a direct feeling. Like, you know, I wanted the money so I wouldn't have to worry about finances. And then I find, gee, my mind's totally silent. So I'm not worrying about finances. You know, there's that that always the outer manifestation, which gets a lot of attention, but the inner manifestation of certain states of consciousness are really what we're after. And sometimes when you're very clear on what you're trying to ultimately go for, that happens. You know, it, it, the best way to hit a target is to know where the target is. What are you aiming for? And, um, often our target isn't really more money. It's what we think we can get with money. But as you raise your vibration, some of these miraculous things tend to happen more often.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, cause I really do look at it. Like there's ways we could use the law of attraction and try to almost isolate it from everything else and force manifest things. Cause there are laws from the way it occurs to me that work that way. But when you're A seeker on the path, like everybody listening, like you are, you're here for enlightenment, you're here for awakening, but manifestation is a beautiful aspect of that. Like you said, when you focus in and I kind of say it, like we clear our channel and then Mm -hmm. we get to be a clear channel for the things that we desire. And it easily moves away from, I want this amount of money or the million dollars just to get the million dollars, but more like you're saying about serving people and a bigger expansion, a more, more purpose, which will result in the abundance. It's so it's kind of a, an interesting way to go sort of about it. Um, it reminds me of the prayer from A Course in Miracles, that where would you have me go? What would you have me? Do, what would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? And starting off your day in that act of service. It feels to me, it always has occurred to me as being like the highest good of all. And in that Mm. trusting, you will also be taken care of. But when we just go like, I want a Chevy truck this, or I want a Beamer, I want, it's me, me, me. Yeah. You can manifest those things, but you're not guaranteeing you're going to be peaceful in your life or happy in your life or, you know, um, in that state that you're really going for.
0: Yeah. And it's limiting your energy. You know, one of the things I've done is what I call the cosmic hot and cold game. If you remember like um, playing the hot and cold game as a kid, you hide a pen and somebody says you're getting warmer or cooler. Well, by taking a lot of actions, you get messages from the universe. Like, you know, this job feels boring and frustrating. That's the universe saying you're freezing, try something else, you know, Um, so I saw that when I was sincerely asking spiritual teachers stuff and, and writing that the universe would give me a good feeling and I would get really good results. And that was the universe saying, keep going in that direction, baby, that's working for you. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people, they have an agenda in their head and they go, come hell or high water, that's the direction I'm going. And they're not really listening to the universe for what. Uh, the where the universe is trying to tell them, hey, go go this way, go that way, and and so listening is a real big part of of what I would call manifestation and and higher um, connection to the universe.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that hot and cold. It's like we're always life is always feeding back on us. And I feel that I see that so obviously in the things I've tried to do that, like you say, hell or high water, I'm going for it. That's also really praised in our society. It's like, Oh, be a driven person and do it all and just go for it. And don't look back and don't trust your inner feelings. Like, no, you go for that law degree or whatever. Right. Like that is very encouraged. And so it takes, It takes that self-awareness to witness the feedback in life. A lot of times if people aren't feeling good, they just think it's something wrong with them. Why am I broken? Why do I have anxiety? Why can other people handle life better or this job better? But it's because they're not listening and and going with that flow.
0: Mm -hmm. I have a friend that uh, is, is very comfortable. He does well as a coach, but he was talking to me how he wants to be bigger. And I said, well, are you having an enjoyable life? He said, oh, my life's fantastic. You know, I, I only have to work 20 hours a week and everything's great. Uh, I said, well, why, why do you need to be bigger? You know, maybe the universe is saying just enjoy life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he heard that concept, it was like, oh, my God, I never thought about that. Because we're getting so many messages from our culture, our, our culture mm-hmm. that says we have to be something different to be more awake and and connected to the universe, No, you have to be more fully you and relaxed in you in order to align with the universe. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that kind of touches on what you said about there's different levels of manifestation. And the first, I always say the first evidence of your manifestation is a feeling like you said, if I'm like, no, I need this money to feel relaxed with my finances. Well, wait a minute. I just had a joyful day down at the beach with my family or meditating or whatever. And I didn't worry about my finances. Consider that your manifestation and people will say, well, but I still want the money. And it's like, don't worry, the money will come. But What you're really going for is the feeling of ease, is the feeling of relief, of excitement, of the present moment, not so much what you think that that 20 grand or million dollars or whatever will give you. And I really think that's so important in the feedback, your mood, your thoughts, your vibe is the instant feedback of if this is working for you, if you go to nature and you feel calm that's your first manifestation of you manifesting a calm life, you know? Yeah, congratulations. (laughs) You're doing it. You've done it. You're, you know? Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to touch on, cause you seem like a funny guy and yeah. I, in, in connecting with spirit and spirit guides, I find there's this massive element of humor with the universe. And I'm curious, your experience of that, talking to all these gurus, your own experience. I find that like the universe has a really good sense of humor. Spirit guides are hilarious. And I'm just curious your take on that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. That's a really great question. I haven't been asked that before, uh, but I have found that. Almost all the spiritual teachers that I met that I really liked and respected did have a wonderful sense of humor. I mean, if you look at the word enlightenment, it's enlightened is in there, you know, I, who wants to be a, a very serious, you know, uh, depressed guru? It doesn't work. So, yeah, I have noticed that not only the, the teachers have that sense of humor, but when I've been gotten messages or spirit guides, also, there's kind of like a um, mischievous element to it, almost. Mm-hmm. And I have really enjoyed that part of it. It's like, you know, they're. Pl- pl- I mean, we, we come into the world as playful creatures. So if you don't have that playful, humorous element as you awaken, you might be going off course a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I think it's common, like you said, we're told to get things outside ourselves to be spiritual. We're also constantly fed that we need everything outside ourselves to be happy. And so if you're going on this spiritual journey, constantly going what's wrong with me and where's my next block. And so many people are doing that. Yeah. We're riddled with different things, traumas, different things we've experienced for sure. There's always layers, but to always focus on the what's wrong or the, the, you know, sort of down part of life, I think is missing the point. And I love that you said light is in the word enlightenment. And that's Mm -hmm. what I also get with spirit guides as well, because it's all good either way. And humans are so stressed. And so it's like, oh my goodness. And what am I going to do? And they're going like, it's all good. Or the humans going, I messed up. And they're going, no, you didn't like, look how much you learned. It's almost this like fun, keep it light. You're not messing up all the time. You're not doing things wrong all the time. And part of that lesson isn't just like what's wrong with me it's like lighten up a little bit that might be part of the medicine you need you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean if you look at the word humor it kind of spells you more you know you more um, and you know Ramdas. when I was talking to him uh, he said he never eliminated any neurotic thing he ever had He just changed his relationship with them from thinking he was the neurosis to them being kind of like beloved little pets inside of himself. Mm. And one of the ways I got out of depression was just appreciating and making fun of my uh, negative voices in my head. I said, if there's ever an Olympics of negative self-talk, I'm going to win the gold, you know, and and just having that perspective of of. Making fun or or seeing the humorous aspect of our neuroses and accepting them, Mm. allowing them Mm -hmm. uh, is helpful in not so deeply identifying with them and actually being able to see uh, around them and not get so caught up in them.
1: Yeah, I love that because it also doesn't focus on making you wrong and bad, which is what so many people Mm -hmm. do. I've got this problem. Shame, guilt, wrong, bad. How do I fix the problem? And it's like, ew, from that energy, we're not fixing the problem. But I exactly. love how he said that. I, for a while, called it my shitty roommate in my mind uh-huh. when it was like I was really learning about the ego, probably like 10 years ago or more, whatever. But I just started, I just started like, yeah, there's a shitty roommate that's just negative and like always cutting me down, being mean. And it helped me to kind of do that separation to become the witness you know not just being the neuroses as he said so you were friends with Ramdas, weren't you
0: yeah yeah what was for that a lot like? of years
1: <laughs> what was that like
0: <laughs> uh I, I think back I'm getting teary-eyed because he was very influential and very sweet and such a wise soul very human mm-hmm. um I miss him. Uh, He would, you know, go out of his way to write me letters or give me guidance. And uh, it was just always a celebration when we could spend any time together.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was so human. That's the surprising thing about him is like, you know, looking at his life and everything over his teachings and everything, like he was very candid about having the light in the dark and being a human that also had this whole other spiritual side. And that back and forth it's really inspiring because I think a lot of people have this aura whether we make it up but it's like I'm here and I've always been here like I can't picture Deepak Chopra depressed even though I know he's he's been through an inc- insane life as well but Ramdas was he always felt so transparent in that like look I'm yeah. human and I'm seeking I'm just on the journey seeking the light it's beautiful yeah, yeah. It's so an is an there anyone to to yeah no doubt beautiful. So is there anybody that's kind of on your bucket list that you would love to interview or do you feel like you've gathered the information that you're here to gather and you're done?
0: I feel like I've gathered the information um, you know, so I've been able to interview some of the recent leaders as well, you know, Byron Katie, Adashanti and folks. Um, You know, I think the current Pope we have is is a very warm human being. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind interviewing him. Um, but I, I think I'm more interviewing folks now, not to get more information, but to help focus what these teachers have to say in a way that will be very useful for the listeners of my podcast, Awareness Explorers, because I think we all have the right ideas now. You know, a lot of people know what have the right ideas, but they don't necessarily do it. And I think these most recent methods are really simple and easy and practical. Um, some of those teachings have to get out to a point where people are are using them more. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. And you know, as a as a sort of last question, what would you say? And sort of pass on as your words of wisdom to seekers on this path going through their unique awakening you know really trying to live this life we're talking about of that awareness and just live a happy existence um what do you feel like is some advice for them or your words for them
0: well i'll give a piece of advice and then a quick story um my advice would be, you know, have an experimental attitude where you try different things to see what's working for you now, because what worked for you 10 years ago might not be the same thing as now. And, you know, like I've done various experiments where I'll try this church for a month or I'll try this method for a month or I'll try this teacher for a month. And then from that experience, I get to know whether it might be uh, practical to keep on going. Um, the other thing that was uh, something that really affected me is I was um, uh, meeting a guru, an Indian named who who is a student of Ramana Maharshi and uh, when I went to his ashram, uh, he pointed to me and told me to sit in front of him like the moment I got in the ashram and I didn't know what the protocol was there so he looked at me real intensely and said, who are you? and I said, I'm Jonathan from the United States. And he and the 50 people in the room started cracking up. They thought that was hysterical. And finally, they stopped laughing. And he said, no, no, who are you really? And I said, well, I'm a spiritual seeker. And he kind of shook his head no. And I said, well, I'm a writer. No, you know, I'm a psychotherapist. And he keeps shaking his head. I finally ran out of roles, you know, to uh, who I identified with. As I'm just sitting there, looking in his eyes, I realize I'm like the awareness behind all those roles. And as I realize this, a wave of energy that could best be described as intense love just hits me so powerfully that I start weeping in his lap. Mm. I'd never felt that much love all at once. And as I'm literally crying in his lap, he, um, he taps me on the head and he says, this love is who you are. And your job in life is to get back to it as soon as you can. And I think that's our job in life. And it's not like something, oh, I'm an accountant, I do a little bit of spiritual work. We're given life to get back to this place of our true nature. And from that place, we can best help other people. So, you know, went from being a hobby to like, oh, this is, this is what, this is my job. This is what I do. And, you know, my hope is that it inspires other people to find what really helps them to do their job in the world.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's so, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story Um, because it really is our job to connect to the love inside, to connect to the deeper parts of who we are. And, um, I just love hearing that and, and that awareness of that. You are not all these roles. You are the loving awareness. You are the, the awareness behind all of the roles. I love Michael Singer's work with that, with the untethered soul and, you know, becoming the witness. And, and it's just, that's something to ponder for the rest of our lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that so much. Um, and so where can people find you? You've mentioned your podcast. I will link everything below. Um, and where's the best place for people to reach out, get your books. Um, I don't know if you do, do you do events and things like that?
0: Some on occasion I do. Um, the best place, if they go to the enlightenmentproject.net, the enlightenmentproject.net, there's a place to put your email address and they get the first chapter of the book and my five favorite, quickest ways to quiet your mind ebook mm-hmm. and an audio meditation of that all for free. because mm-hmm. I want to get these techniques out to a large audience and you know, I don't need the money, so I can offer it all for free pretty much. And um, yeah, so that's one way to reach me and get some of my stuff. And then the podcast, Awareness Explorers, there's a website, awarenessexplorers.com, and we have over 100 episodes now. Beautiful.
1: Well, thank you so much. As I said, I'll put all the links below, and I cannot wait. I feel like the Enlightenment Project, something I noticed right away, very easy to read, but something like that you can just continue to ponder and read and reread, just really nice and digestible. So I can't wait to get through the rest because it seems so powerful and just a beautiful way of you sharing and really trying to help people. It's very obvious you're here to help people connect to that for themselves. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope that you have a fantastic day.
0: You too. Great questions. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I genuinely hope that it helped you in your life and it inspired you. If you want to find more from me and my guests, make sure to check the link in the show notes, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook. I am at Talia joy manifestation. Make sure to take a screenshot that you're listening to the show. Come and tag us over on Instagram. Let us know your takeaways. We love to hear about people manifesting their dream lives. So make sure to check the link in the show notes. There are also some free goodies down there for you. I'll see you in the next episode.